Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Welcome parents. If your teen is a target of bullying, the instigator, or even a witness to bullying, this episode is for you. One out of every five students report being bullied based on their physical appearance, race and ethnicity, gender, disability, religion, or sexual orientation. In other words, prejudice. The bullying behavior can range from verbal and physical assault to casual yet very hurtful comments. In all cases, it has a negative impact on the mental health of everyone involved, the bullied, the bullier, and the bystander. We know from research that ignoring this behavior or trying to stop it only makes it worse because it doesn't address why the behavior exists. So what do we do instead? That's what we're going to talk about in this episode. Today, I'm joined by Deanna Singh, founder of The Flying Elephant, who is on a mission to empower marginalized communities. Deanna is currently teaching diversity, equity, and inclusion through the University of Wisconsin Center for Professional and Executive Development and just released her latest book, A Smart Girl's Guide to Race and Inclusion in Partnership with American Girl. Deanna is going to share with us how to raise more socially aware teens. Welcome, Deanna. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you so much. It's so lovely to be with you. Absolutely. So let's start by a brief backstory. What inspired you to start advocating for the socially marginalized? So thank you so much for the question. Um, you know, I think that a lot of it has to do with the way that I was raised. So um, I come from a really diverse background. My mom is uh, African-American and my dad is Sikh American. And so they came from different parts in the world, different languages, different cultures, different backgrounds. And my uh, job as a child was to watch these two people who on paper, you know, were so different, like that you're like, ah, is this really is uh, watch them build this life together. And I always say like, as their eldest child, it's my job to like test, right? <laughs> let's right, see, exactly. <laughs> let's really see what this is, what this is all about. And I, I like the, the analogy of a bridge, right? That they built this bridge and my job was to run across it, jump on it, invite other people on it with me, like do, do all the things and just see how sturdy it was. And I think it really inspired in me this idea of being able to do that, not just in my own family, but also to be able to do that in larger contexts. And honestly, a lot of what motivated this is just that personal joy of being able to see like what happens when you are able to build bridges and help people from different backgrounds find them themselves to one another. Um, but it also comes because in the work that I've done, I mean, I've been in you name it, I probably have worked in that sector. I, I've just been able to have leadership roles in a lot of different spaces in the world, both geographically, but also um, from you know what, what the focus of the organizations were. And one of the things that was consistent, right, is that when you have somebody who has this skill, like they really know how to include other people, mm -hmm. you end up producing really great leaders. And yeah. really great leaders have really great organizations, right? And so at the core, like one of my like core beliefs is that I think we have all the solutions for all the world's problems already. It's just that we haven't created the environment 
for the people who have those solutions to be able to come forward and share them. And so like my big theory of change is like, let's just do it. Let's create more inclusion. Let's give people that skill so that they can actually show up and help us solve for the big things, right? That are that are holding us back as, as human beings. Yeah, and I, I love how you're referencing it as, as a skill <clears throat> because I think there's this, kind of misconception that you're either kind of born biased or you're not, or that prejudice is something that's built in, or that it's not even something you can learn. Because I feel like this is an enormous issue that people are trying to address everywhere. So you're going, we have the solution. What is that solution to start addressing this? So I love um, that you pulled out that, that I call it a skill, because that's by intention. It's really like an important part of just the way uh, that I show up. And the reason why I think it's so important is because when we start thinking about like as a skill, then we can start thinking about what are some of the things that we can practice? How do we get better? How do we actually talk about it? How do we train, right? The people in our lives, whether that's our children or students we teach, or whether, you know, that's adults that work in our workplace or whatever the context may be that we have power how do we actually apply it and help other people along their journeys too? So calling and kind of calling it out as a skill and not moralizing it is a huge component of one of the things that I try to help people understand. But when it comes to like, what does that look like, right? What, what, how do you build in somebody the ability to create um, and be an inclusive leader? One of the key things you can do is literally to give them the opportunity to practice. Hmm. Right. Because I think that a lot of times the reasons why we get into these stereotypes or that we have these biases or anything is because we've been using the same pattern and we're stuck in the same pattern. And so we haven't actually gotten the opportunity to practice something that's outside. So let me give you an example. Um, if I go downtown and every time I go downtown, I take one pathway, right? Like it's the only pathway that I take. Even though there might be 50 different ways to get to the place that I'm trying to go, if the only way that I ever take is the same every time, there becomes a place in my mind where not only do I think that that is a good pathway to take, but I think it's the right pathway to take. And I think it's the only pathway to take because I'm conditioning my brain to think that there is no other options that exist. And so when you start to think about, you know what, like, and it's a simple analogy, right? But if you're like, I need to get to this destination, I know there's 50 different ways to do it. Let me just try like another one today. Let me try one different one a week. Let me just make sure that I'm expanding my horizon in the way that I approach the world. That expansive thinking is what leads to growth mindset. And that growth mindset is the kind of like the underpinning of what you need in order to be an inclusive leader. Right. So how do we help develop that in our kids? Yeah, so I have two children. One mm -hmm. of them is a teenager, and I am loving every second of it. Um, and one of the things that we do, you know, with our own children is we give them the opportunity to really see and practice curiosity. So, for example, one of the things that we will say to our children is we'll say, okay, hey, you know, we've got this free time or we're going to be going to this different place or we're, we, we've, whatever it might be, right? Whatever the container is, this is a, a container. So this afternoon um, is going to be free or on Saturday, we're going to have free. You know what? I would really like to do something that will help us understand a, a social identity that's different than the ones that we normally participate in. What do you all think we should do? 
And it's amazing the ideas that our children have come up with. Let's go check out this restaurant. Um, there's a cultural festival that's coming to town. Let's go see, they're, they're gonna have a dance troupe. Let's go see that dance troupe. Oh, you know what? The art museum is having like another exhibit about such and, and I've never seen this artist before. They're from a different part of the world. Let's go see like what this technique looks like. And it's been so fun, so fun to take a step back and really give them the driver's seat of help us learn together. So Deanna, let's let's look at this from kind of the each of the perspectives. So first yeah. we've got a child who we see is being bullied because of yeah. their differences. And we see a lot of this, right? How do we use this and kind of this knowledge is in the sense of diversity and inclusion to help that child be able to address and be able to stand up for themselves or not let the bully really kind of torment them in their beliefs? How do we help that? So I can speak about this from a very personal perspective. Okay. So I'm the first kid of color in my elementary school and, you know, had a lot of experiences. I did a whole TED talk about how um, my very first day of kindergarten, um, when I realized that my family was not coming with me on the bus, I climbed the stairs and I was like, wait a minute. Like, I was so excited to go to school. I was so excited to go to school. But then all of a sudden I realized like, wait, they're not coming with me. Like, really? They're going to just let me go all by myself? Like, what is this? This is ridiculous, right? So what do I do? I, I go and I sit directly behind the bus driver. And then within a few moments, a little boy comes up behind me and starts hitting me in the back of the head. Mm. Just hitting me, hitting me, hitting me. Then he says, do you know what God said when he made uh, black people? Oh, I burnt another batch. Wow. That was the moment. That I actually, it's like when I first, when I think about like, when I realized I was a little girl of color, that was the moment. And that man tormented me all the way until we graduated, right? Like in, in so many different varying, um, varying ways. Yeah. And so I, so I can speak about this, right. From a very, very, very personal perspective of what it felt like to, you know, just all, all the things. I had a lovely childhood, wonderful mm -hmm. teachers, great, you know, friends and everything. But it was also like skittered with these moments, right? Of people saying super off the wall things to me, even adults, not just children, even adults. And uh, when you're integrating a school, there's some, there's some things that come with that. Yeah, I bet. Um, and one of the things that I thought was most empowering in all of those experiences was being able to have moments where I got to tell and get comfortable with my own story. Because I think that one of the things that happens when you're in this space is that people say something about you, right? Even that little boy, that example. If I use the narrative that he gave me, then I would be seeing myself from a less than perspective, burnt another batch. Do you know what, right? And from God, right? Like, and from, right? Like all these different things. And that could have been my story, right? Like that could have been the way that I perceived myself. But I think one of the things that made my experience and gave me that I feel like I'm really fortunate with was that I was surrounded by people who are storytellers and they gave me the opportunity to come up with my own narrative. And so I do think that one of the things we have to think about is how do we give our children language that's positive language about themselves. Mm. So, you know, I wrote um, not just the girl's guide. I wrote, my first book was I'm a boy of color. And the second one was I'm a girl of color. And I wrote both of those books because they're, and they're full of like positive affirmations because I realized there's kind of this PR issue, right? Like that our children weren't seeing themselves in literature and therefore, and they weren't seeing, and when they were seeing it wasn't positive reflections often. Right. And so like being able to just say like, I am smart. 
I am created, right? That that narrative, that internal voice, that I could make that louder than any external voice. And I think that that skill was the thing that uh, was the biggest differentiator for me on a personal level. But it's also something that I see happening in the young with the young people that I work with. When that's really strong, yeah, it's still gonna hurt, right? It, it's still gonna not feel good. It's still gonna impact you, but you're able to take it out because your narrative is so strong. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest challenge is how do we counter these messages that the kids are getting, not just in school, but on social media and elsewhere. And you hear these kids that just hear so many negative things about their culture or their religion or something like that, that they start taking it internally yep. and feeling like I'm a bad person. And so how do we counter that while still keeping it open about having diversity, right? And oh, I think yeah. that's what's really hard too. So let's kind of take the other side of this is you have a child that you're seeing is really like they're just prejudiced against other kids, right? They're just saying mean things. They're saying mean things or they're picking on kids for some differences. How do we use this to counter that without shaming? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things when I talk about this story of this little boy is that now that I'm an adult. I think about the little girl, right? I think about me in this story and I, I definitely want to go back and like hug her and be like, it's all good. You're good. You know what I mean? We're going to get through this girl. Like I want to do that. But I also want to do something very similar with that little boy because I realized yeah. at the age of five, you are probably repeating something that you're hearing a lot someplace else. Yeah. Right. And then a lot of what you might be saying or where you might be coming from is probably from a place of fear. And a lot of times it's because you are trying to create that like positive inner voice because you're trying to counter maybe something else that's going on, right? So there's lots of things that could be happening behind the scenes. So the, the adult in me like wants to investigate like what was going on in your world and in a way, that you, how are you being hurt? And what is something I could have done maybe to su support you? Um, so I think about both of those characters, one of them being myself, but I think about, right, this, this little boy. And so I think there's a couple of things here um, that work, right? But they don't work like it's like a one time and then it's done. It really is about creating that ongoing practice. And one of the biggest ones is around how do we create the opportunities for empathy, mm -hmm. right? And what does it look like to really model for our children what it feels like to be empathetic? And uh, we talk about this in our house is like showing your work, mm -hmm. like let's show your work. So we'll say, you know, something happens. Um, I don't know. You, you see, you witness an instance or you, you do something that hurts somebody, or we see it on TV. Like I, we are, we are, nobody likes watching TV at our house because if you watch TV at our house, first of all, we all watch the same thing at the same time, but we pause, right? We pause all the time. So how do you think that person felt? Hmm. You were in that situation. What might you have done differently? What do you think the person who did the harm felt? And why did they do that? And so really giving those opportunities to have those kinds of conversations because too often we're not showing our work, right? So yeah. I walk into a store and I smile at every single person and then I leave. If I haven't told my child, you know what? Part of the reason why I smile at every single person is I'm practicing how to be more inclusive. I'm, I'm practicing how um, to make sure that I'm creating positive ideas of all different kinds of people from different walks in my life. I'm practicing that. 
if I don't say that, if I'm not helping them see my work, but, I mean, then they're not going to pick up that skill. Right. It's a lot about like, how do you think about those moments where you can create opportunities and they don't have to be these extravagant things, right? It could be these little moments in your day-to-day practice that you're helping teach your children. These are ways that you can think more empathetically. So rather than saying, don't do that, that's wrong. It's more about building a, how do I kind of counter that by helping them develop empathy, which eventually will kind of help them rethink how they view people. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because the thing is, is if you're like, so here's another example. My dad wears a turban, right? And inevitably, whenever we go someplace, especially like littles, real littles, right? Someone will put like, he has a turban on, right? Right. And there's two different ways parents respond to this. One, I mean, there's many different ways, but there's two primary ones, right? One is, shh, shh, don't tell me. The other is like, yeah, what color is it? Oh, it's blue. That's cool. Hey, how you doing, sir? So nice to meet you. Yeah, you having a lovely day? Me too. What's different about those two? In the one instance, I'm telling my child, we see difference. We don't talk about it. Just Yeah. The other instance I'm saying, that's cool. That's awesome. You know, like let's, let's, we can keep it moving, but we can also like acknowledge, right. That there's difference and I don't have to be scared. I can greet this person, you know, and my dad loves it. You're kidding me. My dad loves it. And everybody gets to respond how they want to respond. So don't assume this is what my dad's like, yeah, we're determined. Let me tell you why. How did you turn today? You know what? It's actually this long, fat, like, you know, he can, if he's given the opportunity to do it. And so how do we, in, and when you think about it from teenagers, it's the same concept. You can think about this even adult to adults, the same concept. How do we, in those moments, is a difference, encourage curiosity instead of encouraging fear? I, I was just thinking that in my head. That's the big difference you're just saying is how do we approach it with curiosity? Yeah, and not fear. Yeah. That's- and you think about this too with like people who have different abilities, people with different religions, people, I mean, you could fill in the blank with any, any kind of social identity right? A person who's a vet, any any kind of social identity. And if we approach it like this, oh, oh no, you know, then what are we modeling? But if we're like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if, if, you know, if he's active duty, I wonder if she, I wonder how long she's been in the military. You know what she has on this color? That probably means that, you know, she's from this branch of the, of, um, you know, of our, of our armed forces. Did you know that there's, you know, such and such was also part of that branch or your grandparent or your, right? Like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm creating an expansive opportunity. Did you know that there's all these different branches? I literally just had this conversation, this exact conversation <laughs> people in military office, you know, military uniforms. Right. And my son was like, why are they in the store with military? I'm like, well, actually there's these many branches and you know, it's kind of a cool thing. And when you think about it, like it gives us the opportunity to recognize people who have made that choice and here's some of the right and so we got to have this whole expansive conversation instead of being like yeah and I think it's so interesting because when we try to act non-prejudice you know by like we actually come across as far more prejudiced right and we're kind of building that so the very act of trying to shushing that and not sound prejudiced makes us appear far more and kind of encourages that rather than just being curious and open the difference is it's not based in fear and it's not based in judgment. It's based in curiosity. And I think that's the interesting part. And that's how we model that curiosity. Yeah. And I think we have to get really comfortable of being like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not exactly, I'm not exactly sure. 
I don't really know. Let's find out together. Yeah. Let's go research that and learn and learn yeah. something new. Let's learn. Let's learn together. Oh yeah. I've, I've actually never seen anybody wearing that kind of a garb before. I'm not exactly sure. Let's go find out together. Right. It's again, modeling that behavior, but also giving the opportunity for like growing. Right. Yeah. And seeing like, instead of me being like, I don't know. And I'm, I don't care. No, I don't know. Let's, let's try and find out. Yeah. <laughs> And imagine if we're all doing that and learning about one another, how much cool stuff we can learn about one another rather than making these kind of generalized judgments based on fear, which is a natural thing for humans to do. Let's be real, right? We naturally group people. So I think it's also being able to say, you know what? It's, It's an innate thing for us to do this. Doesn't make us bad. Let's just question it. That's exactly it. And that's the kind of like removal of if we talk about this as a skill and we don't talk about it as something that's moral, right? Yeah. Exactly. If I don't understand a math problem that my child comes home with, I'm like, oh, okay. No, I don't understand that. Like no shame in my game. I, I don't remember that. Let's go, let's go check it out. Or once you figure it out, do you mind coming back and showing me? Cause I'm really curious about like how you would go about it. I just don't remember how you do that. Yeah. Right. It's the same thing. Cause it's a skill. But as soon as we start talking about it around identity, we think that it's it's so different, right? And it, and I know why, right? It's because we've been shushed as children. It's also because it's very personal. It's about who who we are and how, you know? And let's be honest, it also challenges some of our own assumptions, right? It makes us have to rethink things. Oh, wait, I got to think of another way to get downtown. I'm already stressed out. I, I already got to get in this car and drive this big ton, you know, of, of metal uh, through stop lines. And that person just cut me off. And now you also want me to come up with a whole new pathway of, you know, of how to get downtown. Like that's tiring to me. I don't want to do that. I, it's going to put me outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. So there's all kinds of reasons for our brain to protect our biases. But oh, the fun. Right. Like, fun of discovering a new way to get to get someplace how and that all builds the empathy too when you come from that curiosity that builds the empathy that's amazing so I know I want to be mindful of your time how do people find you Deanna yeah so the easiest way to find me is actually on LinkedIn um we try to put out a lot of information just that's like meaningful and useful and actually really actionable that's a (laughs) And filled with joy. I hope you got that. But that's just an important part of this work is, again, we 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 don't get the opportunity to think about how expansive expansive it is and just yeah. how much fun it can be. Right? It, it's a it's a ton of fun to 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 like <laughs> diversify the way that we think about things and to be more innovative and more creative. So, um, if you're interested, would love for you to join us on LinkedIn. We also uh, I try as much as I can to answer questions that come uh, through LinkedIn, but we do a weekly newsletter and all these other things. So please join there. You can also go to our website, which is upliftingimpact.com. We also put out a, web, uh, a weekly uh, newsletter there and would love to have you join us. Excellent. I'll put all the links in the show notes. And before we go, any parting words of encouragement for parents with teenagers? Uh, Yes, I would just say like, enjoy it. Um, We get, you know, as being parents, like just that in and of itself, there's so much power in that. Mm-hmm. And it's not power just that we have right over our children. It's also the power that our children have. So I would say, create the space for that power to create something 
good, right? Something great in the world, something that's beautiful in the world and something that's really inclusive because the more we do that, the more I think we are setting our children up for success and the more we're setting up the world for success. I love that. Thank you, Deanna. I'm so grateful you could join us today. Thank you. It was a joy. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. I really appreciate you too. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens thrive, you can grab my top 10 secrets for raising teens at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.